Welcome to the My Chains Are Gone podcast, a place where people are sharing their stories of how God has brought them life and freedom through Jesus. Kurt loves to share about God's work in his life. He shared today about how God has been with him his whole life, even when he was not paying attention. Kurt experienced a lot of hurt from his father growing up and remained angry and bitter for a long time. But God used a fire, the shattering of his marriage, and his daughter's invitation to church to start opening Kurt's eyes to the power of the gospel in his own life. Kurt is now filled with an inexplicable joy and peace as he trusts in God's work. I hope you enjoy his story. Kurt, thank you so much for joining me on the My Chains Are Gone podcast. Thank you, Jill. I appreciate the opportunity. Did you grow up in Columbia? In Where in this world did you grow up? Uh, started off life in uh, 1965 in Osceola, Missouri, which is a little southeast of Kansas City. Very small town. Um, and was it a believing family? Did you? Uh, family very believing. Actually, I'm really thankful for my mother um, because over the years, she's been the pinnacle of the direction of my faithful life. I've got uh, six siblings, um, four brothers, and we're all very strong believers. So do you remember early on in your life, what were your thoughts about who God was? You know, that's a really good question because I was raised in an assembly of God um, and they believed in speaking in tongues and, you know, other gifts of the Spirit. That seemed very foreign to me. I didn't understand it as a kid. Uh, it was kind of creepy. But personally to me, it's not now. Now I understand it. But back as a child, it didn't seem real. It almost seemed fake to me. When I got to watch my mother go through some of her own hardships, I began to see how much she relied on her faith and how important speaking to the Holy Spirit and letting Him work through her meant to her. And then I started beginning to have some understanding what really faith was. Uh, I watched my mom go through divorce. Uh, my dad was a abusive alcoholic, um, a womanizer. I saw mom struggle a lot. She was raising a bunch of kids basically on her own with little help. But she relied on her faith so much. I know that's what got her through her rough times. And she's always been the glorifying one, giving everything up to God. This is why we had this. This is why we do this. That's when I really started understanding who God was. And I was a teenager, really. So um, in those teenage years, in your early adulthood, were you following God? Yes and no. I was doing it for mom. As a teenager, I was an honorary one. You know, smoking pot, running around with my friends, probably not involving myself in church as much as I should. Uh, we moved here to Columbia in 1980. My dad had got a wild hair and my parents had divorced. We had ended up in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, of all places. 
Uh, dad thought he was going to strike it rich. Mom put up with that for about six months. And my grandparents lived here in Columbia. They both worked at the University of Missouri, and we ended up back in Columbia. Not until I got married did we start going to church, but we were the type of people that would come in, clock in, get our coffee, get our Danish, listen to the sermon, clock out, and we were done with our Sunday. We were done with our worship. Mm-hmm. Didn't really get involved in any groups, didn't grow, uh, certainly didn't live the life that I know that God wants for us. So it was kind of just a Sunday church, yep. but the rest of your life... No, wasn't really. Nope, I didn't depend on God. By faith. No, no. So, what identities um, can you remember that you felt like you had during your early adulthood time? I was angry, mm-hmm. Jill. I mean, I was an angry kid. My mother could tell you this. For a lot of years, I didn't understand why my dad was the way he was. I was angry that I know. Us kids went to school sometimes with bruises and that type of thing, and I just couldn't understand. The, I was actually angry at God. Why would you allow these things to happen uh, with no repercussions back to my father, really? How could you allow a kid to be abused? How could you allow adults to overlook it and never say anything? And Honestly, I look back now and I think a lot of the culture of the area we were from, there was a lot of alcoholism, a lot of poor people. So I think that was just part of the culture and everybody came to school bruised and stuff. Mm, that's sad. As a young adult, as um, a young married person, as a father, you had anger issues. What other identities would you say described who you were at that time? Self-destructive. <clears throat> a lot of a lot of the things I did, I did for me selfishly, not recognizing other people's needs, even my wife. Not I wouldn't say necessarily my children, my you know, our kids are our lives. I had to have things my way, and I wouldn't say I was controlling. So but I needed things. I felt like I was deserving of things because I was a sole provider, sole breadwinner in uh, my wife and I's relationship so she could be a stay-at-home mom. And I thought, if I'm doing this for you, this is what I deserve. This is what I get. But I really wasn't willing to put the time and effort into it to love my wife as the Bible teaches us we should. I mean, I took care of her, right? I made sure she had a roof over her head. She was warm. She had clothes. She had braces. She had hair stuff. She had makeup. You know, I did all those things that I thought material things. But from a spiritual aspect, I certainly didn't lead my family faithfully faithfully like I should um, as a leader of the family. And even... A lot of this came out through Redemption Group that I realized this. And boy, I don't know if you've been through Redemption Group. I really didn't want to come back to Chorus after going through some of those sessions. Hmm. Uh, Because they were digging into some really deep stuff in my heart that actually went back to my childhood. A lot of the anger issues, a lot of why I was the way I was. 
and bringing a lot of that stuff up that I tried to set aside. I knew it was always there like a simmering pot in the background. But I, I believe we had to deal with that for me to be to where I am today, get rid of a lot of that baggage, so to speak, a lot of that bitterness. Hmm. And Redemption Group did that for yeah. me. What made you not want to come back during that time? It was painful, Jill. Uh-huh. And it so was... like coming to church, what did that elicit in you after having gone or as you were going through that? Again, because we had never been really involved in the churches that we went to, you saw people and they said things, hey, great to see you kind of stuff, but it was very superficial. Going through Redemption Group with my brothers at Chorus, I really learned what a godly love is. Because even though they knew the baggage that I carried, the the person that I was, they had hopes for me that my father, my heavenly father has, and they still showed love to me even knowing what a nasty person I was. And just having that love there was imperative to me coming back. Because it hurt, Jill. It You're bringing up stuff that you forgot about for 35, 45 years. And you forgot about it for a reason because it was painful. So to bring it all back up again, it was just, it hurt. It It was painful. It was painful to look into my family's faces and know they know about my heart and where my heart is or was. And it was just very difficult to drag my feet in there some Sundays. Mm -hmm. Not every Sunday. It wasn't always like that. But there were two or three sessions that we went through that, that I believe I had to go through those things to let go of a lot of the bitterness that I was holding on to so we can have breakthroughs understanding more about God's love and what plans he has for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so tell me about some of these breakthroughs you've had. Um, you said that you started to come to Chorus about seven years yep, ago. Yep. What precipitated that? Uh, after the studio burnt down and I lost my 37 years of drawings. I mean, that was my life. Literally, that was who I was. People. So was this drawings that you did on the side? So like you worked yep. and then in your own free time? Yep. Uh, was it more out of hobby or did you sell these? It was out of hobby. My grandfather was a doodler, pencil artist. My grandfather who lived here in town. And I can remember from a very early age, three or four, sitting out in his woodshed and he would draw and that intrigued me. So as I got older, I continued drawing. And honestly, I think I became quite good for being non-schooled. The pencil drawing, that was who I was. That's That was my side gig. So you had that pencil art yes. on the side yes, um, and had developed years and years of of artwork yes and then it burned down it burned i lost it all in a fire and we still don't know the cause of the fire after the studio burnt down um i was at a loss very shortly after my wife moved out 
So again, I got on that same cyclical, destructive lifestyle. Uh, I had a friend that he was single too, and I've never been much of a big drinker because my dad was an alcoholic, but we started going to this local uh, place off of Highway 63, started hanging out there, um, drinking. It just wasn't a good, healthy lifestyle. And I think Andy, my daughter, saw that. Her and TJ were just dating at the time, but they were going to Chorus. And Andy told me one day, he said, Daddy, I think you should come to church. Um, I did. And I was the oldest person in the in the place, which felt quite odd. Uh, a lot of youngsters. What really spoke to me at the time was it was such a youthful church, but I saw so many people on fire for God. I mean, a real fire, not just some Sunday I'm on fire, Monday through Saturday, I'm my normal wicked self. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a bunch of youthful and that was encouraging. Yeah. Did you kind of have a gradual increase in faith and encouragement, or did you have any moment that you were, that kind of your scales fell off? It was a gradual, but for me, the pinnacle of going through a redemption group opened so many doors to my heart and to my faith that I'd always heard existed, but never saw it mm-hmm. in myself. I mean, I, I can relate things back to my mother and seeing my mother weeping and seeing the things that God did in her life, you know, giving her abundance in faith more than anything. Uh, and you had never experienced that personally. I'd never experienced that personally. Um, and so having gone through this redemption group, seeing all of the caverns lit up yes, <laughs> and darkness yes. lit up, uh, what did you do with all that darkness? I trashed it. How did you do that? God trashed it. Again, I was hanging on to a lot of things from my childhood that I was angry about. He put a lot of that at peace and let me know that wasn't my fault, Mm. that I had little control over that. But in ways, he also let me know I was always there. It kind of made me look back at my life in perspective. And once I went through redemption group... It seemed like things have just escalated. I've become a more prayerful man, but when I'm in prayer, understanding what the Holy Spirit is, you know, it takes me back to my mother seeing her on her knees and weeping and speaking in tongues and that type of thing. I've been there. A lot of the stuff came up about my marriage in a redemption group, and uh, my wife had moved out. Um, she was taking care of her guys. I was doing my thing, but through all this, I was still trying to hold on to this marriage because this is somebody I really loved. I've got children with this person. I tried reconciling. I did, you know, I even got direction from elders and Kevin and uh, other people in the church on how to work towards that goal. The more I worked towards that goal, it seemed like the more she pushed away. And that was very painful because to try to love someone and them not love you back um, was very painful. I realized I set myself up for a lot of this. I know I'm forgiven for that, 
but I was still holding on to the hope that we could be a happy couple again, and I could show her where my heart is today. And the more I showed my wife where I was, and I've got messages after message, um, Liz, this is where I'm at today. You really don't want to be my buddy for the rest of my life? You really don't want to be a part of this? And sometimes she wouldn't respond, and it was very painful. So I would sit in my driveway after leaving her group home and literally out on my knees on the gravel praying and weeping, what have I done? What can I do? Lord, where are you taking me? I was relying on him more instead of trying to do things myself. I would go to him, but tearfully pleading, good Lord, if there's something, show me. Show me, not prove to me that you're working in my life, but whatever I'm doing wrong, use me. Allow allow your kingdom to be glorified by using me. I didn't realize what I was asking for. Through that, I started seeing, because my heart was cleaned up, I started seeing the Holy Spirit work in me in a more personal way, become a more loving person without the selfishness. There's nothing that I desire other than, you know, loving you, serving you as God would see fit. I became a more helpful servant in that way. And I didn't think that was ever who I was. But through those little interactions, I started to see Even through my pain, I started to see God working on me and showing me who he wanted me to be instead of who I wanted me to be. Uh, One day at church, I decided after all my weeping and feeling of loss about losing my studio and everything that contained inside that studio, one day at church after taking communion, I went back to Kevin and prayed and let God know that I was done with my drawing career. That was the end of, thank you for the gifts. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the conversation that I was able to have. But I'm putting this a part of me at rest. And Jill, that was so freeing doing that. I felt like a tremendous weight, as important as that was to me, it wasn't as important to God, I guess. It was needed. It was needed for me to understand where I am today. But when I left that at the altar, so to speak, that day, when I walked out at church, I felt like I was a new man. Something was different. Two weeks later, I started doing tie-dye. I didn't know at the time that it was going to turn into the thing that it's turned into. But since that day... I've had more conversations. I've opened more doors. And I say, I, I've done nothing. I was the conduit. God has opened more doors. He allowed conversations to happen that wouldn't have happened otherwise. But he used parts of my story to show me myself that I've always been here. You weren't looking for me, but I was there. I was there for you at this point. I was there for you at that point. 
pray over every shirt. Some of the shirts that I pray over, the person that receives them, some of them know that I pray over them. Some tell me that they don't really believe that that's great that I've done it. Some people that don't know that find out quite afterwards what I went through when making their shirt, they are touched. And that lead, that opens doors to talk about God and my faith and where they're at. And I see a lot of them through their stories with the same anger and bitterness that I had. And because I can relate to that, I think that enables them to open their hearts and we're able to have conversations, and there's still conversations that we have today where these people now have a different perspective because they didn't believe in the same way, much like me early on. They didn't believe God's there, but he really doesn't care about me. Now they see it in a different perspective. When this when all this first started happening, it was just, I mean, like a waterfall, just all this water being dumped on me, all this Holy Spirit, all this Jesus stuff pouring out upon me. I didn't feel like I was deserving to be that person. I shouldn't be your conduit. I don't deserve this, God. I'm a lowly, lowly sinner. But I think sometimes he uses us because of our stories, and we can relate. And if we're using him, if it all glorifies him and his his kingdom, he's going to use that. And he has. And being a part of that just humbles me to no end because here I was in the same boat as a lot of the people I talked to and very sad and very bitter. And he's using me to help them discover him. Mm -hmm. And that's really special. What new emotions do you experience now as you have a greater relationship with, with the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit? More love than one man should contain. I often get asked, and this is in a lot of the tie-dye groups, a lot of the people I talk to through Messenger, I have people ask me, are you for real? Is this just a game? Is this, are, are you really this nice? I had never heard that in the previous 50 years of my life. <laughs> so people are seeing a light or something inside me and I don't necessarily see it. I mean, I still see myself as a sinner, but they're attracted to that and they want to know more. And that's when I get to talk about God. That's when I get to talk about my story and where I came from. And again, just to know that he's using my story to strengthen his kingdom through these other people that I'm relating to. That just that blows me away. I'm not sad now. These are happy tears. The sad, A lot of the sadness that I'd held on to for so long it's gone, and it's filled with this, again, I call it love, because it's what it feels like. It's just so full of the love that Christ has shown me. I'm trying to use that to pour it out and show the same way the guys in Redemption Group loved me, even though they knew my sin, they knew my story. 
I'm using that same love to reach out to them and show people, hey, dude, I love you. Mm. I don't know your story. I don't know, you know, and, and I don't have to. But this is what God has shown me, and I'm passing it along to you. Mm. That is so beautiful. I There's been several people through conversation, one lady in particular online one night, having a conversation with her. And when I told her my story and I was making a t-shirt, it wasn't for her. I was just making a t-shirt, but I didn't want to, you know, sit there and hold the phone. So I had her on speakerphone and we were just talking and I get to the end, pretty much the end of my story. And I say, are you still there? And I don't get a response. And I'm thinking, okay, at this point I've kind of got, bad cell reception or something. So I must've lost her. So I said, well, if I don't hear from me in the next 30 seconds, it was nice talking to you. Da, 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 da. And I hear this weeping. It's a very silent cry. And she's on the other line and she says, I'm here. But that is the most beautiful story I've ever heard. And she used to believe, but because of things happened in her life, she was angry at God as well. She, you know, couldn't believe if there was a God, why would he allow this to happen to me? So knowing that he had done his work through me, was not working through her, through my story, just, that just blows me away how we were just talking on the phone, just having a normal conversation and suddenly it got quiet, and I didn't think much about it. But it touched her in such a way that now she is seeking God, that she is once again looking for answers to her own story. God, what can I do? What? Relieve me of my pain. And just being able to be a part of that, I just it humbles me so. Because I never saw myself in that way. But he uses us in his way, in his time. I love what you just said, because that is the essence of this podcast, is people sharing their stories that are hard, that are that started so difficult, that included all our yuckiness and the yuckiness that others had towards us. And God redeems that. And it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing that. I love to end the, the podcast with this question. Why are you glad you follow Jesus today? There are so many. There are 10,000 reasons why. Even though I'm going through a difficult time in my marriage, one thing I know now that I didn't know then, going through everything I've been through, he has a plan for everything. In every time and space and place and person, there's a purpose. We may not understand the purpose on this earth. We may not ever see it. We may not understand it. Shortly after the fire, I was in a very desperate place. I bought a pistol because I didn't know if I could go on with life. But through that fire, after that fire, there were 15,000 things inside that studio. 
out of 15,000 things, there were three things that survived. And those three things are just a reminder to me of God always being here, always being in our lives. We were big on Christmas, uh, so we had lots of decorations. We, you know, had Christmas ornaments in every part of the house. After the fire, much in like this room we're sitting in, it was a two-story space. Down below was a workshop. Upstairs was my studio and storage for Christmas stuff. After the fire, um, I went searching for anything of my drawing career that may have survived, anything that may have lasted, because that was my life. I found my drawing table that my sketchbooks had been sitting on. I rolled the 200-pound drawing table out of the way, and it was, you know, burnt, ruined. Moved it out of the way, and underneath I found some scraps of paper of some of my drawings where, because the oxygen couldn't get to it like a book burns in the fire, it doesn't burn completely. So I found some pages of some of my drawings, and I started collecting them and I'm sure I look like a madman because some, some of these pages were still smoldering. It was still hot from the fire. Uh, but I was trying to recoup anything that I possibly could. When I got to the bottom of the pile, I found part of a nativity set that we had a 17 piece nativity set that was ceramic and very special to us. And mind you, all this was on the second floor and now I'm literally on the ground. There's no floor beneath me. It's ground and ash and nails. And as I pulled away the last few remaining scraps of my drawing pads, I found these three pieces to the nativity set. Wow. Um, a wise man, baby Jesus that he doesn't look so bad there, but he was very blackened. And then Mary. The thing about Mary she almost came out unblemished. Like she never... She, she did not go through the same fire that Jesus did. She didn't go through the same fire that everything else in that household did. There's a little spot on her top of her head where some plastic melted to her head. But, but the night that I was sitting there with my pistol thinking about my life, recall looking up, I'd saved these three things because I thought it was kind of special that those three things survived, but I'd had them setting up on a shelf and I didn't realize the importance of it then. But I was sitting there one night contemplating some bad, sinful things. And I recall looking up there at that shelf and saying, why did you survive? What is it about these three things that you're trying to tell me? <clears throat> and I look back down and I think, out of all the things in the house, what are the odds that these three things, you hear about people's houses burning down or churches or whatever, and Bibles being left intact. I don't know how they survived. Nobody can answer me how they survived. But just knowing that was left for me to discover, and I had to discover it, and I don't want to make these sound like an idol because they're really not. I don't worship them or anything. But to me, it's a reminder. I am always there with you. No matter what, I will make you go through the fire, 
but you will come out whole and you'll come out with me. Mm. So no matter what, to this day, no matter what happens in my life, I could be stricken with cancer. I could be, you know, there's so many. I relate to Job. I can go back to the book of Job and see all the hurt in his life and the things that happened to him. And I'm not anywhere close to that. But the love God still had for Job is an inspiration to say, you know what, good Lord, if you're going to use this in some way to glorify and raise your kingdom, I'll be a part of it. Mm. However that happens. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. That's beautiful. Well, I can tell that God is using you in tremendous ways, and I'm thank- thankful hearing your story and and seeing the faith that God has just been generating in you over the last seven years, and it's beautiful. So thank you so much for sharing your story, and I hope others are immensely encouraged. Thank you, Jill. I hope you enjoyed listening to the passion and joy in Kurt's story. God helped Kurt work through so much hurt in his heart and has transformed him in such a beautiful way. If you like this podcast, the easiest way to follow and not miss an episode is to subscribe. Listen to an encouraging story each week. Thank you for listening. Be encouraged and tell your story too.